Well, hello, hello, and welcome back. Hello, everyone. It's great to have you joining us again today. And hey, just take a moment to say big, um, or we're so grateful for all the feedback we've received um, around this whole podcast. It's It's been so great talking to people and, and seeing it's being helpful. Yeah. So that's good. It's good. It's starting conversations. If it's helped you, you get the helpfulness award. That's uh, it. You've been, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you've been a bit of fertilizer. How, how are we financing all these awards? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it helps it they're imaginary. So, um, but hey, if you if you are enjoying it or if you found it helpful, we would love if you'd leave us um, a rating wherever you consume this content. Mm. It really helps this to be, I suppose, more visible for people looking to it, uh, and it's encouraging to us as well. And of course, if you have other feedback, flick us an email. Yeah. Uh, we'd love to hear. I feel from good you. about having a second piece of cake when we've got a good rating. But do you? Okay. Yeah, it's so helpful. It is. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We better get into it. We should. So last week we were talking yeah. about um, having orthodox beliefs, but a pagan yeah. imagination, yeah. and talking about how it's really possible to believe the right things. But if we have the wrong imagination, we can mm. outwork them in in, a, in the wrong way. Yeah. We talked about obviously the, the disciples having a, a great desire for leadership uh, in Luke 22, but Jesus coming and actually saying, no, the way you're imagining leadership working is, is yeah. not healthy. And we've put language around that. Like we've, we've made that story come alive with language pertaining to the topic. But I do think that's what Jesus was doing. He was correcting their imagination of Cor- what good biblical leadership looked like. It's servant leadership. It's not lauded over leadership. It's not the leadership they saw in their world at the time. Um, and and there's lots of other things we can have, you know, wrong imaginations around. Yeah. Even, you know, and pagan being used in that sense that we defined last week as not looking to a, to a transcendent power for morality, et cetera, but worshipping, you know, I guess the creation itself or the experience of life itself. And so it's not meant to be a derogatory term. It's just simply meant to define what you believe in. Yeah. And so last week, I guess we were speaking a lot about um, images of God and having a maybe a pagan imagination of God, which, yeah. which you know, in, in some of the examples we talked about, are, you know, a Zeus-like figure <laughs> in another place, Yeah, which I guess the conversation ended with, talking about that other place or heaven. Yeah. And what's our imagination about that? Yeah. Uh, what do we picture in our mind when we think about heaven? What the hell is heaven? What the hell is heaven? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be crass. That's a play on words because I, I, think, I think there's confusion over both or there's very narrow images of both which don't lead us to think or focus on maybe some of the right things when we think about eternal realities. So and, we should we and, should speak about both, I suppose. We, we should. And next week we'll do what the heaven yeah, is hell. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's done. It's a deal. That's next week. We're already decided. And um, uh, when I think about it, I mean, I became a Christian because I didn't want to go to hell, in one sense. People often say I became a Christian because I love Jesus. I. I I didn't really. I didn't know him, didn't understand him. But, uh, you know, the fact that the gospel was preached in a certain way that put a fear into me is something I then had to deal with for many years and try and get a healthier perspective on God. But I didn't want to go to hell and I certainly wanted to go to heaven. Hmm. 
The problem is both places in this thinking, both places are disconnected to here. Yeah. Wow. And that's why we do need to look at both, I guess. Um, so um, most people I've had a discussion with sort of assume that they know what heaven is, what hell is, but let's just focus on heaven. They assume that, but they're sort of a little bit unsure at the same time. So like if heaven or if we put it this way, somewhere else, because that's the assumption, it's somewhere else, it's other than here, I'm mm. going somewhere. We even say going to heaven. Um, if it's somewhere else, if that's the end goal, you know, one of my questions would be, wouldn't you think we'd study it to the nth degree? I mean, if that is the whole goal, it should be the focus of almost every message that's preached. And yet it doesn't tend to be. Mm. Uh, we tend to be a little bit in the dark about it. Um, we need to also look at what did Jesus say about it? I mean, if it was the end goal to go somewhere else, uh, Jesus didn't say much <laughs> specifically. Yeah, uh, He referred to it. It was a reference point, but it wasn't like he sat down and said, I'm, now I'm going to tell you. Answered all those questions about heaven, like, yeah, yeah. will there be dogs? Yeah, yeah. Will there be yeah. KFC? And and heaven <laughs> is often used in his teaching more as an anvil to thrash out a different, a deeper concept, often the way that we live here. So Matthew 25 and the sheep and the goats is a perfect example of that. Mm. Um, but the fact is Jesus said more about money. Jesus said more about the right and uh, the right and wrong use of our resources than heaven and hell combined. Mm. Um, that should make us wonder something. Yeah. There. And so, if we talk about our imaginations, where, yeah. where where do you commonly see people's imaginations coming from, or what <laughs> yeah. they they look like? <laughs> Same place as everyone's imagination around church stuff seems to come: uh, Renaissance art and pop culture. Mm. So we've either got you know clouds and harps and maybe weird little flying babies. Yeah. You know that's Renaissance <laughs> art stuff. Yeah. But but also you know then you've got Morgan Freeman in a white suit in a big white room. Yeah. That's a pop culture image. And not just, I think that was first, first I saw that was in Bruce Almighty. Mm. But then I'm pretty sure he's done a documentary series on God. And um, yeah, I've, I've got some. It's definitely sense very of, white and very shiny. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it gives this impression of, you know, that just, just nothingness but white mist. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you, yeah. So again, trying to emulate and, and a literal interpretation of heaven being up there somewhere, so there must be clouds. Mm. So then straight away, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. What we're trying to do is put language to the indescribable, Yeah, ultimately. Which we discussed and, in the previous episode. Yeah, and when you see John in Revelation, you know, and a very, very unique form of literature and, and literary style that he's writing in, but, you know, he he is struggling to you know, describe it and mm. the paths of gold and gates of gold and, you know, all the precious stones inlaid and 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 we can read it literally as some people have and even tried to create models of what heaven would look like mm. or we can just understand the literary devices he's employing is this is, we could summarise it. This yeah. is indescribable. Yeah. This is blowing my mind. I'm reaching for language, mm. but I'm seeing things that lang we don't have language for. Yeah. And and I think we find that a lot with God. I, I just think we do need something to grasp, and so we use human language and we use anthropomorphism to try and somehow get our 
our mind around God and to connect with him and relate to him. Jesus, of course, is the absolute perfect um, model that we have for that. But, mm. but ultimately, a lot of other language around God is really trying to describe things that are fairly indescribable. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, but in general, I think whether it's pop culture or Renaissance art or wherever we draw those images from, church, church teaching, um, generally the problem I think is that the only way we see it is somewhere else. Mm. And I'm not saying it's not somewhere else. But when we only see it as somewhere else or ethereal, unattached to this reality, then I think that's problematic. Yeah, yeah. And so where do you see that problematicness coming in? <laughs> or, or maybe first, what would we see when we look at a more kind of uh, traditional or orthodox thinking? Or maybe what were early yeah. believers, what were they kind of describing it as? Well, I think a lot of what we have is early believers trying to put language to it. But if you go back maybe to Jesus is a good place to start. And even he as a Jewish rabbi, potentially how he saw when he spoke about more about the kingdom than about heaven, um, he was talking about a Hebrew concept, alam haba, which is the age to come. It is, uh, it's God's shalom. And we understand that word, you know, shalom means peace, but we, we should understand shalom, that Hebrew word for peace. It, it doesn't just mean the absence of violence, sort of. That's where our language is so limited in trying to, to maybe translate it. So we would say peace is an absence of violence. There is peace. We all want peace in the Ukraine and, and wherever else violence is happening. But but ultimately, Hebrew peace is a sense um uh, of the presence of wholeness, mm. the presence of blessing, you know, the presence of God right here, right now, heaven coming to earth. And that's why we have Jesus teaching us to pray. Mm. And he said the first line, thy will be done on earth mm. as it is in heaven, or second line, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So we give our honour and our reverence to God and understanding even there that the, the word for heaven is literally the word for environment or atmosphere. Mm. So even when we say our Father who's in heaven, when we get this picture of God is somewhere else sitting on a throne, it's not it's not a biblical concept in that mm. sense. That's not a, a scriptural concept as much as it is our thinking of how words work. So we could think of it this way, our Father who is in the air that I breathe, the very environment, the very atmosphere that I'm in, you're in. Wow. Again, God's in all things and renewing all things, restoring, redeeming all things. And so all things are upheld by the word of his power. The word is near you, even in your mouth. So our Father who art in the air that I breathe. There's mm. another way of thinking about it. And some of these concepts from our good friend Shane Willard, you know, is if, 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 uh, if you're listening, he's worth checking out. Yeah. Um, so they were believing, Jesus was believing for heaven to be a present reality. And the Hebrew prophets all reflect that. The pictures they paint are pictures of prosperity and peace and safety and security right here. Mm. So we could ask ourselves, you know, have you ever, ever found yourself in a moment in life that just seemed like 
a little slice of heaven. We even use that term, yeah, hey. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, you imagine whether you're lying back on a beach in a hammock with a coconut drink and under a palm tree and the waves are rolling in gently. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's just like a little slice of heaven. I remember the first time I ate some shalombao dumplings in Taiwan <laughs> and just the, the, oh, the juices from the dumpling. It was just, it was like just a moment of... <laughs> Of heaven. There you go. I don't know. It doesn't Obviously, say it's not, it's not biblical, but I'm assuming they have Shalom Bao in, in heaven. <laughs> it makes sense. With dogs. With dogs. And so, you know, it's all subjective how we we picture a slice of heaven, but it's interesting how we, we can. We can do it and we put it in now terms. Mm. Um, if we really look at, I think, what Jesus would be saying as thy will be done on earth as in heaven is that, um, there'd be no injustice, there'd be no abuse, there'd be no lies, there'd be no violence. And um, Revelation picks up on this thought where God will wipe every tear from their eyes and mm. uh, there'll be no sickness because the, the tree of life will provide healing for all and, you know, different sort of um, uh, metaphors for just life, healing, wholeness, peace, joy. Does that sound like a slice of heaven? It does. Absolutely, it yeah. does. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, we're questioning what is heaven? What actually is it? And maybe the best way, what I'm trying to get at is to say, maybe it's not just one thing, but actually it is one thing in a sense, but maybe it's one thing experienced on different levels or different times or different ages or different seasons in our existence, I was going to say in our life, but in our existence. So um, in practical and simplistic terms, you could sum up what is heaven as wherever and whenever God's will is done. Wow. There's heaven. Yeah. Wherever and whenever it's done. So we can have a slice of heaven right now whenever we experience God's will be done which, on earth. Yeah, which I guess is starting to answer that question of when is heaven. Yeah, that's it, because that's the other plane we've got to look at. When is heaven? Well, obviously, um, you know, in rabbinic thought, Alam Habar, the age to come. So it's ahead in time. Uh, and then some more common terms that are used, and these words deserve a study in themselves, uh, but eternal life, because there's a few different words used around that. And... Um, but when we understand our concept of eternal life is sort of uh, it is present in time, it transcends time, it's not just future, it's now. It was, it is, and will be. That's mm. what in- eternal is. So when you're promised eternal life, it's like it is present now. And I think some of Jesus's statements reflect that in John 10.10, you know, I've come, the second part of the verse says, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And I am sure that he was talking about now. Mm. It wasn't just about one day you'll, and one day you will go to heaven because he says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Talking about the devil. And basically to his audience, you're experiencing that. You're experiencing that brokenness. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And so Jesus' promise was that we could experience this eternal life Right now, the life of God, Zoe life, could be experienced right now. So it's both then and now, or now and then. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, this is reflected by other writers like Paul, uh, 1 Timothy 4 8. Uh, he says, uh, let me read it for bodily exercise profits a little, 
But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So there's mm, that concept. There's more to it, yeah. Yeah, your godliness, it's not just about a ticket to heaven, mate. It's about what you're experiencing right now. Mm. Godliness to live the kingdom now is profitable, not just in the future, but now. Uh, so there's this whole concept of living the future now. They are a continuum. Eternal life is now and it will be as well. So don't live, and this is the exhortation and why we, we, if we dumb heaven down to the paintings and the concept of somewhere else, we really miss the most significant thing, which is we shouldn't live in such a way now and here that you'll feel uncomfortable in the future, wherever that is. Yeah. It's a continuum. That's a big statement. Oh, it's huge. That reminds me of, of something else Shane Willard says, hey, around uh, people finding themselves in heaven and, and being like, where yeah, am I? Here? Yeah, he makes this funny statement about whiplash. You can get whiplash, you know, because you've been living one way on earth and all of a sudden if you found yourself in heaven, you know. <laughs> is it actually going to feel like heaven? <laughs> It'd be yeah, like, yeah. yeah this. And that's the thing. I mean, heaven has gates, which is interesting. And without getting too literal, but... You know, the description of gates and scripture even says what they're for so that the people could come in and go out. That's what gates are about. So Mm. um, why would you want to leave heaven? Mm. Maybe because if you went there and it wasn't what you thought it would be. Or maybe because you went there and you weren't living in a way that you were comfortable there. Yeah, well, I guess it brings out, I think, a a very clear example of it is that, you know, someone who's a racist here on earth and... Mm who hates people who are a different race to themselves, yep. find themselves in heaven at a table with every tribe, nation and tongue. <laughs> are, are they in heaven or hell? You know, that's yeah, for, if, them. for them. For them, they are going to get that, like this yeah. whiplash of hang on. Yeah. That's not what I expected. For someone who's embraced all people as created in God's image and equal and equally to be loved and valued, Turning up in heaven's going to be a brilliant experience. What a party! It's going to be a kaleidoscope culture. of yeah, unique yeah. culture and unique expression, and it's going to be just like man. I mean, so we, we should get ready for that. Yeah, we now. get that benefit now with our mm. cuisine, like good old Toowoomba. Yeah, you know, and we've got all these different fancy foods and stuff now that people have brought from different cultures, and we love and appreciate it all, yeah. and them. Yeah, yeah, and their uniqueness and everything. Um, so, you know, if that's what you've embraced on earth, you're going to be quite at home in heaven. Yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't, if you silently under your breath curse men made in God's image because they don't have the same color skin as you. Mm. Well, I don't care how many church services you go to or how many sinners prayers you've said. Mm. You might not find the age to come, the age you want to be in. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah, cha- that stuff definitely ain't going to exist there. Yeah, but it's the challenge. Like live in a way now that's reflective of like let heaven come now as well as being prepared for whatever it looks like in the future. Yeah, yeah. And look, there's other questions that come into play. Like often heaven is seen as, right, once I get there, uh, it's all over and we assume we don't need faith mm. to be there. And so who told you that? Who told you you don't need faith in heaven? Mm. Wherever that is, whenever that is. Again, I'm not trying to box it down. I'm just saying, you know, this continuum of life, we sort of assume that, well, I had faith in this life. Well done. 
it doesn't translate to the next life. Mm. But what, what if it does? Maybe that's why Scripture says these died in faith, not having inherited the promise. You know, but they, they looked forward like Abraham, looked for a city with foundations. We should always be living into the future, leaning into the future with faith. Jesus said, when, when I come, will I find faith on earth? To him, it was really, really relevant that faith wasn't just this moment mm. or a correct set of beliefs, but it was something that translated into an ongoing transformative experience of ushering in God's kingdom on earth. Wow. Yeah. Well, kingdom. and I mean, that mm. that then begs the question that we've talked about, when is heaven? Where is heaven? <laughs> Would be the next question. Yeah. Well, where is heaven? It's you know, it's present in in location. Thy will be done on earth. Uh, Jesus said, the kingdom is within you. And again, Jesus was Jesus spoke far more about the kingdom of God or or the place of God's rule. And he says, it's within you. Don't run here. Don't run there. It's not that big church service or that revival meeting mm. or, you know, those things can be great touch points, but that's not the kingdom. Yeah. And that's why, you know, when catastrophes happen in church world, often people get really, really shaken because they mistook a great local church or a church leader or whatever. They mistook that for the kingdom. And it's Mm. like, no, 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 it's within you. So the question becomes, what's God doing in you? Is How is heaven coming in you? How is the kingdom coming in you, Mm. enlarging your heart, taking territory in your life? That's the more pertinent question. So when we say, where is heaven? Well, first up, I hope it's happening in us. Mm, yeah. You know, and that obviously secures us for wherever it is in the future. Revelation, it's interesting how this whole story wraps up in Revelation 21, where John is giving this prophetic vision and saying, I saw a new heaven and a new earth uh, because the first one and the, the both heaven and earth had passed away. And also there was no more sea. And then I, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So there's almost two heavens there. It's like this holy city, New Jerusalem, heaven, coming from heaven. Um, and so behold, the tabernacle of God, it's like a picture of a new temple in a sense. Um, and so it's like it's, it's present now in us. It's future in location. Whatever you make of that metaphor that John is talking about, the tabernacle, referring back to the, the temple, etc., um, whatever you think about it, John is saying it's on earth. What, what, and, and whether John is actually just maybe personifying what would happen as God's reign takes over on earth, that heaven is maybe this is the answer to Jesus's prayer. Um, thy kingdom come, thy yeah. will be done. Oh, no, maybe this is yeah. the end result, mm. um, because we can get a little bit too literal in trying to look at this and, and miss the actual, the actual lesson. But if you look at the big picture, Scripture starts with people in a garden on earth, the mm. Garden of Eden. The whole Bible is about people journeying with God on earth. Mm. And then scripture finishes with heaven described as a city that comes down to a renewed earth in one sense. It's, it seems like all the action's happening here. Yeah, yeah. And so Jesus seems to be always most interested not in what you're going to do in heaven, but what are you going to do to bring heaven to earth 
it seems to be the bent. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, yeah, would you say that's the focus? Have you got an example of, of that maybe, of, of Jesus's teaching being really focused on bringing heaven here rather than? Yeah. Luke 18, um, it's really interesting, the, the story in Luke 18 where Jesus um, Which talks is the rich, to, rich young ruler. Yeah, the rich young ruler. And um, because of the Ten Commandments, there's sort of, as I understand, there's six that relate to men and there's four that relate to God of the Ten Commandments. You can sort of look at them a bit that way. And, of course, this rich young ruler comes to Jesus asking him, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What a question. Yeah, every preacher's dream question, isn't it? <laughs> it Not is. even every, every Christian's dream question, I suppose, having a friend come to you and say. Yeah, yeah. Most, most preachers would see that as this guy is asking, how do I get to heaven? Yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, Which, again, we've already probably maybe tried to broaden that thought out. But it's, it's, it's just a dream question. And so Jesus says to him, and as he often does, he answers with questions. Mm. And it's interesting because he asks him um, about the commandments, and he says, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honour your mum and dad. And the rich young ruler answers, all of these things I've kept from my youth. Mm. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful he was very rich. So he, he basically, he couldn't follow through. And what's interesting is when Jesus says, you know, you know the commandments, here they are, Jesus only gives him five of the six. Mm. And this kid could answer, well, kid, I mean, he's a young man, but he could answer it all right. Yeah, I've, I've never borne false witness. I've never stolen. I've never murdered. I'm, you know, I've kept all these things from my youth. And then Jesus, instead of quoting the, the, uh, the commandment asks him to fulfill it. It's not about knowing the right stuff. Mm. It's about doing the right stuff. So he says, I, it, I, I see one thing that's lacking. Sell what you've got, give to the poor, come follow me. But because the sixth commandment, of course, is you shall not covet. Mm, yeah. You know, you shall not invest yourself in material goods. You shall not put your security and want more. That's that's the one thing you lack. And yeah. Jesus nailed it with him, the poor guy. I mean, I feel sorry for this guy. Yeah. I really do. Because if he'd sold all and followed Jesus, what apostle would he have been? Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. Wow. But he had this incredible opportunity and, and you know, like a lot of people Jesus worked miracles in. Think about this. He worked an incredible miracle and then told them to go home. Mm. He didn't say, follow me. He's a guy he's actually saying, follow me to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, but maybe it's the only example of someone he directly asked as an individual who said no. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that I can think of. And so, and I could be, I could stand corrected without researching that, but just off the top of but, my but head. But Jesus definitely challenges him about now when it's, he's it's asking all about, about eternal now. life. Yeah. It's all about now. It's like, you want eternal life? Mm. It begins now, buddy. Yeah, yeah. And it starts with how you act. Mm, wow. It starts with how you treat the poor. It starts with where your security is now. And so straight away you can see this flaw in thinking of heaven one day somewhere mm. else because then you can have a false security about as long as I've got my ticket, 
I can I, do whatever I, I want. I go yeah. to the right church. Yeah. I've said the right prayer. I believe the right stuff. Whatever you think your ticket is, now I can just wait for it to happen. And one day, someday, I'm going to be okay. Whereas Jesus would actually be going, what are you doing about, what are you doing about bringing heaven to earth right now? Yeah. How are you living the kingdom now? How's it affecting and changing you? right now. Mm. So money was just a representation. It was actually about getting his whole heart free. You know, Jesus wasn't picking on him. What he was saying is, was, mate, you are more tied up than you realize. Yeah, yeah. You're totally invested in this present life and its material benefits, and you're not living a spiritual life, even though you're not doing the wrong stuff. Yeah, but that gives him the opportunity, doesn't he, doesn't he, to experience eternal life now. If yeah. you would just let yeah. those things go, yeah. you could experience you heaven could, now. To refer back to an earlier scripture, maybe the thought was, you know, the devil has robbed you, buddy. Mm. Thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, and he's robbed you. You think that life is to be found in possessions, mm. but if you were prepared to give him away and follow me, you would actually find it. You would find life to the full. Yeah. Yeah, and which is Jesus' call to every one of us. It's not just the rich young ruler is me. Yeah. And you and every one of us that's listening right now, mm. there's this would you give up what you can hold tangibly now for a greater reward, Yeah. which we call heaven. Yeah. And, and we could call the kingdom manifesting in us, the kingdom of God coming. Yeah. So what's the danger if your image of heaven is only future, it's only somewhere else? What's yeah. the danger of that? Well, you're investing yourself, you know, if it's only somewhere else you're in, and only future, you're investing yourself in, I guess, the, an unknowable intangible mm. to me. It's like one day, someday, it's all going to be right. One day, someday, it's all, whereas we should be right now engaging a tangible present reality and bringing heaven to it. Our, our tangible present reality is our lives, our families, our acquaintances, our workplaces, our education spaces, our everything to do with our lives, we should be engaging at bringing heaven to it. This is what Jesus said. Yeah, yeah. Come on, be salt and light. You're the, you're the light of the world. Like Scripture calls Jesus the light of the world and then we call him the light of the world. Mm. I mean, sorry, he, he calls, calls us, us the light yeah. of the world. I mean, what a mandate. yeah. What a mandate for us. So the question is, where are we bringing heaven to earth? That's it. And maybe we should leave it with that question, something to ponder <laughs> upon. Where in your life are you currently bringing heaven to earth? Heaven is now. Yeah. And, and in the future. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, I hope that's encouraged you today. I hope it's broadened out some of you thinking maybe heaven's become, again, I, we keep coming back to this thought of things are bigger than we maybe thought. Yeah. That this is not just some place in the future. This is right now. You can experience it right now. Mm. And I think that's really exciting. So thanks once again. See you, everyone. See you in the next one. Hey, everyone. It's Brittany here. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you liked what you heard, leave a rating or a review and join us next week as we discuss logic bullying. Hmm, that sounds a little bit uh, serious. Probably some good ammunition to have in your back pocket. In the meantime, you can check out the New Hope podcast for preaching from Chris and Levi or go and chuck a cartwheel or go dancing in the kitchen to pass the time. Thanks again and see you later. Yeah, that's for me! Dancing in the kitchen. Yeah, that is, that is Dancing in the rain. Hey, when you nailed that. <laughs> Dancing, uh, where's the cake by the end?